You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't know where to start, but we'll start with, of course, hashtag Victory Monday. Uh, Coach Kevin Stefanski uh, grew up in Philadelphia. Andrew Berry came back to the Browns to become general manager after a stint in Philadelphia. No Miles Garrett. Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. Pete and I talked this week about, look, and maybe some of this goes back to Nick Chubb unselfishly stepping out at the one-yard line. And look, as a team, we're growing. We're growing as a team, roster-wise, coaching staff-wise, front office-wise. And then you get to this week, no Miles Garrett. And what do we preach? Everybody needs to step up, bring their A game up. Uh, Olivier Vernon, uh, Pete and I have been talking about this for a few years now, uh, maybe the smartest guy on the field. Injuries, yeah, whatever. Sometimes he's missed games because of injuries. But when he's out there, he's an extremely intelligent, active player, even if sometimes you don't always see that. The running game took a while. It was slow. But when you needed it, bang, there it was. Just a fun day. And for me, I'll tell you right now, of the Browns being 7-3, and three, of the Browns being currently in second place in the AFC North, this by far my favorite game of the year because everybody needs to do a little bit more. And again, there were elements. Thank God there were no wind. But this team stepped up today. Before we get to Mr. Pete Smith, your Victory Monday episode of Lockdown Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, or commitment, or overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi, made for football watching. Pete, in... You lo- you came into this without Miles Garrett. You lost probably your second best defensive player in Ronnie Harrison. And this is not giving Denzel Ward any slack because he eventually did step up. And I guess we'll start on the defensive side of the ball here, Pete. But look, as much as Miles is Superman, Batman, and again to the superhero motif, this team stepped up today. And to see Olivier Vernon do what he did. Adrian Claiborne do what he did. The tackling was there. Sione Taki Taki with obviously his best day as a pro. And now this is the second week in a row, Pete, where we're talking about the defense a little bit. And look, there's you're going to take hits. And again, these teams weren't the greatest. But you're going to take feeling better about yourself, even if it is batting practice type of hits. Well, I mean, look, Olivier Vernon was dominant. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And it he was Miles Garrett to... today. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm still not convinced that if Miles Garrett plays in this game, he doesn't leave with Derek Thomas's single game record for sex. But he and was Carter great. Wentz I mean, may have been spending the night in Cleveland because he wouldn't be in the hospital bed. But go ahead. But uh, it's not like Olivier Vernon was beating up on chumps. I mean, Lane Johnson is a, a good offensive tackle. I think he may be playing hurt, but he's a good offensive tackle. Jason Peters, you know, he may have – You know, 
what he may have, you know, like a, a blown muffler coming out the back and, you know, dings all over the place, but he plays. I mean, it always seems to be something torn or broken on him, but he, he, he plays really well. And you saw the full arsenal from Vernon. He won with speed. He won with hands. He won with technique. And then he won, he won with power. I mean, just the, the drive that ultimately ended up in the safety, he chased down a play the other side. Uh, he, he, he basically pinched in, went through, and, and kept it from going anywhere, which allowed him to get the sack that was the safety. Like, he was great. And Carson Wentz is, is the perfect quarterback for pass rushers because he has a tendency to hold the ball too long, and he's got a bad habit that's gotten worse this year as far as dropping his eyes which also helps, but I mean, it was it, like, I, I, I don't think in, at least in Vernon's case, I don't think it felt like, you know, like he gave him any, it didn't feel like it, you know, these were gift sacks. Like th- these were hardworking, you know, blue collar sacks that, that made plays. And he also had one of the bigger plays that won't get much credit was when he knocked down a screen. I don't, I didn't see anybody in the picture uh, when they tried to throw that. To, I think it was Dallas Goddard. And he got his big mid up there and knocked it down. So he was great. Adrian Claiborne was great. Like, and when coming into the season, this is the guy. These are the two guys we hoped we were getting. Is you you just have these with Miles Garrett, and you know I I hope that those guys continue to play that way. I mean they're healthy uh, when Garrett comes back, but certainly if you were going to pick a game where they were their best, uh, the one where Miles Garrett is out uh, certainly helps. And, and all this comes on top of the fact that. You had no, basically no Ronnie Harrison in this game. who's arguably the second best defender on this team. Uh, they're saying he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be too serious because he did try to come back. He did play. It just looked like he was too compromised to really do enough. Uh, that would be the best situation. Um, the worst would obviously be he came back and, and did something worse to it, and that's why they pulled him out. But I don't think that's going to be the case. But you got guys to step up and play, and there are still – absolutely awful players on this defense named Mac Wilson. And yet (laughs) the overwhelming amount of plays were made by guys that like, you know, you don't really don't get plays from Carl Joseph, at least in the first half was great. Like I, I you know, he wasn't nearly as impactful in the second half, but I know this, he can play that slot linebacker spot uh, if they want him to. And you know, this is one of those things. I don't know why we haven't been doing this all year, but he was good uh, at a couple, he made a couple big impactful plays from that standpoint. So the bottom line is other than Denzel Ward and probably Sheldon Richardson, who I thought played well, I thought Larry Ogunjobi played reasonably well. Um, the guys who stepped up and made plays in this game on defense were guys who haven't been uh, big time players. I mean, Carl Joseph had the one fumble return, I think against Washington, that was a nice play. But just in terms of these guys are helped carry us to a win, you know, it was it was Vernon, it was uh, Claiborne, and it was guys like Joseph who stepped Sione, up. Tony Taki Taki. I'll tell you the, what, the, I'll tell you the guy who impressed me is is Cameron Mulvo. I don't know if he can play dead, but damn, if that guy doesn't run around, uh, like, and he moves with like funky motion, like it's not like he really is. Like it's almost like a guy who's too big for his age or whatever. But he was able to – I mean, he was active. And even, Pete, I know you tweeted about it. I tweeted about it. Wait, Joe Jackson's not active. Um, but he brings, like, this, like, weird little set of height, 
length and be able to, you know, not running fast, but long stride to cover some ground. And he was active early, obviously part of the uh, forced fumble early in the game that Carl Joseph ended up recovering. But like, there's something there where you're like, all right, well, what's this guy got going on? Let's see a little bit more. Well, he he's eerily reminiscent of, uh, of the dude they had last year, Brian Cox's Brian Cox jr. Where he, He's probably a prettier-looking version of Brian Cox Jr. He's got True. like a sort of a more NFL-looking body, but just in terms of whatever he's got, he'll give you all of it. And Porter Gustin's sort of the same deal, but he 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 chased down a couple tackles. I think he had more tackles than Mac Wilson did, which you know not a surprise to me. I thought Terrence Mitchell did a really nice job in this game. Um, you know, he just he's not a great corner. He's just a good solid player the guy who's a great corner that gets no credit is kevin johnson he's fantastic uh he you don't see him do much because he's just never has to he i mean he'll blitz and he'll do some things but like he just shuts guys out uh it's mm-hmm. it's impressive like the reason it, he doesn't get talked about is because whoever he's covering doesn't get the ball thrown to them well, yeah, I mean, look, it's a difference between having him on the field and having uh, ha- having uh, special teams guys out there trying to run down. Tavier Thomas, God bless him, he's trying. Um, had to make tackles all the time because he couldn't cover anybody. Kevin Johnson will make some tackles, but it's usually not on his guy. So, I, I you know, I, I felt good about a lot of that. I mean, it, it, that made it very satisfying to watch for me. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Johnson. I'd love to have him back. I just wouldn't love to pay him, you know, as much as he's getting for this year, maybe in a longer team deal, he can be a little bit cheaper, but uh, you know, those are guys, him and Terrence Mitchell. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him either. I would venture to say he won't be back, but he just makes himself very easy to like uh, yep. just the way he plays the game. And it's like, he's a nine to fiver. He shows up every day. He's got his lunchbox in his hand. He gives you the effort and you know, he's not nearly as, you know, athletically gifted as Denzel Ward is, but it was, it's almost like that's where they are kind of like the perfect combination because it's the really talented guy who can make a ton of plays. And Terrence Mitchell is look, even if it's an eight yard completion, it's going to remain an eight yard completion. And I mean, I don't know. He's just, he's just that guy. He's the nine of fiver. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, you know, there's an argument that they could say, look, we don't really want to pay a ton for corners because we're a cover three quarters scheme. Uh, and maybe they bring him back for that, and they just say, "Look, he's done a good job for us. We, you know, we can get him back on another year, and we're going to do it." Uh, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. I do think it's funny though, Denzel Ward, um, who played very well, had the interception, maybe maybe got jobbed on a call. Uh, he did make a few business decisions. I got no problem with it, but there were a couple times where I'm sitting there watching him go, "Yeah, he didn't want any of that one." Well, I mean, look, if you're five foot ten, 190 pounds, and your job is essentially to cover people, and everybody's talked a little bit about him missing time. Uh, yeah, then by all means, you know, uh, be smart and look. You know, I know, man. Uh, look, uh, sometimes mono e mono ain't the greatest option to go. And uh, no, he went low, and hey, I at least you know I slowed the guy down. And here come the bigger guys to get my back, so to speak. Uh, but uh, all good on the uh, obviously on the Denzel Ward front. This is your Monday, Victory Monday episode of Locked on Browns. Your team is now seven and three, seven wins before Thanksgiving. Seven wins. They won six last year with a first-time head coach going through the absolute insanity of COVID-19. 
and what the year 2020 is. Folks, enjoy it. And I'm going to tee it up with Jacksonville here next Sunday. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, taking you through Locked on Browns. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. I guess you guys know about that because I honestly don't. But Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home, which where most of us currently are. The world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. Unlike the competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash code c-o-d-e that's e-c-h-e-l-o-n fit.com slash nfl promo code code c-o-d-e pepsi as you guys all know is made for football watching and again thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Look, bars, gathering with friends, just not an option. Let's just be happy we have the NFL. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch the game. Again, Pepsi is made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to view the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Uh, Obviously going to be a big week here. Thanksgiving. We'll get through uh, another great week here on Lockdown Browns as they are 7-3. and Uh, John Costco will come rolling on through. We'll have some other great episodes. You know, Pizza was here for the pre and the post. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a third episode this week. But appreciate everybody. iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed. And make sure you're leaving those ratings and reviews. Pete, on the offensive side of the ball, look, it. at times it wasn't pretty. Um, and it was really nice of Charles Woodson to um, point out that Baker Mayfield may have caught, cost the Browns 12 points on the same drive. Uh, look, uh, you know, the elements, look, maybe they're not going to be the best for Baker. I understand. But, Pete, I-, I got more of a 2018 feel again today from Baker Mayfield, whereas where – and we used to talk about this in 2018, where Baker uses the palette. You're open. I'm going to throw it to you. Austin Hooper involved. Rashard Higgins. Kadero Hodge, you know, he brings this size, speed element – that they don't really have in a post-Odell Beckham Jr. life. You go to the running game, 
and look, you keep going at it. You keep going at it. And look, it's going to take some time. But then it gets there. And Nick Chubb, with his footwork is just beating I'll give you this W again. The Sony Michelle Nick Chubb arguments—they were good at the time. Even went through their both guys' rookie years, but Nick Chubb is just so smart, and his footwork—it's just a joy to watch. This team is just continually growing, and on the offensive side of the ball, look—you're going to look at Baker Mayfield, and there's going to be those who are going to look at the box score. Yes, it's not there. But who, honestly, at the end of the day, cares if they win the game? There's going to be ways to get Baker more involved. And they did this today you know, with trying to get him out of the pocket. Uh, the fumble and whatever the fumble was, and you know, I'll just say this, Carson Wentz stinks. So if you have a problem with Baker Mayfield being your quarterback, imagine having Carson Wentz as your quarterback. But, Pete, this offense, as they just continue with all this talent, whether it's the offensive line, Tight end, wide receiver, which is probably lacking, and we're going to get to this here probably in the third segment because Pete and I are kind of on the yin and yang on this one. And the running backs, Pete, they just they find a way. And when you were striving to be a good team, again, style points don't freaking matter. Win the game at the end of the day. And when push came to shove, they found a way to make a difference. Well, up until the fourth quarter, Baker Mayfield was the best player on offense. I mean, he just was. You weren't getting great protection from the line. You were good for the most part. Dropping uh, in rainbows. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we got to see Baker Mayfield deal with some pressure. He did. We got to see Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, operate on the move. He did. Uh, I think the he's he, he should he deserves criticism for missing the open touchdown pass and and missing the uh, not throwing a better ball for the Harrison Bryant that uh, was, was called a penalty, but he also made a couple of just phenomenal throws Mm -hmm. down the field. But my biggest takeaway from Mayfield is how well he's seeing the game at no point in this game. Was I ever sitting there going, you know, what is he looking at? Every decision was right. As far as I can tell, I I didn't see anything where it was like, man, that was an awful decision. There, it was, there were some throws and there have been throws in this sort of stretch where I'm sitting here going, I wish I, I'm sure he wishes he had that back, or man, I wish he had that back. He needs to make that throw. But if you're just looking at it from the standpoint of does he has he progressed to the point where he really understands what this offense is trying to do, and does he make the most of it? Uh, there are margins that need to be capitalized on, but he is he's putting in this his team in a position to win football games, and the thing that stands out the most is how many third downs he's been able to convert third and longs. It's not even like third and shorts, third and long plays, whether it's finding Richard Higgins, uh, you know, last week on third and 18 or, or in this, this game, he, he made a couple of clutch throws. Uh, but like he has become a problem drawing opponents off sides. That's been, it's been, plays. it's so underrated for every, you know, cause everybody will want to find the negatives with Baker, but and I don't know if it's because, you know, the stadiums are somewhat, you know, sort of silent, um, but it's been, it, it's something that you want to see. And look, he's not doing everything right, but in certain aspects, he's improving. And those are important aspects, but the naysayers are never going to give it the time of day. Well, the best stretch of football I saw from Baker Mayfield was when it was second and seven. He uh, he gets gets them uh, to encroach, makes it go second and two, and then the coaching staff 
and Baker Mayfield, you know, are aggressive there. And they go up the seam to Austin Hooper. Big play, gain yardage, because that second and two situation gives you the freedom to sort of know that you've got the ability to come back and either, you know, third down or potentially even fourth down to pick up the first. And instead, they capitalize on it, move the field, move the ball right down the field. That was in the course of that 94 yard drive where they couldn't score, but they were backed up on their own five. Uh, like that type of stuff is important. And you're seeing more of that from him and you're seeing more like uh, there were people that were very nervous about Baker Mayfield watching throughout this game. I really wasn't. I was more just sort of waiting for it to come together. Uh, like in, in the first half, they, they scored zero offensive points, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't feel like they were bad. It just felt like they were missing on some things and, and were missing some opportunities. Uh, they, they could have had, they had a couple drops. Uh, the Njoku drop was bad. I think that could have been a nice little, nice little drive starter. Uh, you know, they had he might be another guy that just can't play in the elements. It's starting to become that type of feel to it. Well, whatever it is, you know, it's just, it's just another missed opportunity, which goes on the pile of them in this game. Uh, so I thought he played well and, and the Browns overall, um, they have gotten very good at wearing opponents down with the running game. And this the third off the top of my head where it wasn't really successful early, but they broke through in the fourth quarter. They did it against Washington. They did it against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They did it against they, last week against Eagles and then this week. So that's four uh, where, you know, coming into the quarter, Nick Chubbett was averaging 2.9 yards per carry and he had like 47 yards. And then they break that big one where he, puts the hand of God on Joe Osman. Uh, and mm-hmm. then you, you you see all your receivers coming down, down the field, blocking hard for him. I mean, Landry, not sprints, but shuffles down the field as fast as one can and, and just kills a dude uh, to try to create extra yardage. Kadero Hodge is a fantastic blocker. Uh, he's becoming a player that I think the Browns need to extend immediately He's he's on a one. Him and Higgins are both on one year deals. He's making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for this year. Higgins is making nine hundred and ten thousand dollars for this year. Don't give up the third segment just yet, Pete. We'll get to this. But uh, <laughs> I, and, I, and I like and I like that they used Austin Hooper more. Uh, so there's just a lot of things that I, I I think are making more sense. My big complaint offensively was fourth and one. Uh, I, I, I'm all, I, I love going for it. I love going, going for it and say, try and stop us. I don't love going for it on fourth and one, uh, fourth and goal from the one and going in shotgun. I hate that. You're making the distance, you know, four times as long, get under center and either hand it off to your, your dude, or, uh, just have Baker Mayfield go in there. Don't give them space to then try and stop you, which is ultimately what happened. I don't like that call, but, uh, overall, um, I see growth from everybody, in, including Stefanski. I think he's getting more. I, I think we saw. No, and that's the thing that where everybody goes with this, you know, Baker missed those two throws. But yes, you drew, I mean, granted, you drew the pass interference. But the, the play calling on both of those, I mean, Chef's kiss, Pete. He's, Steph has really got it going on. He, he really, really does. And if you want to critique Baker, whatever. But the play calling, it is there. I mean, they are they have they have this innate ability to play, you know, a third of the field, manipulate defenders, and get what they want. Of course, the throws have to be made, though. Well, I, I think, but I think you're still seeing Stefanski grow into it and trust more. 
you know, they've been really predictable for the most part about running on first and first and 10. And it, it, it's, you know, defenses are counting on it. And I think over the course of this game, particularly going to the left, you know, a lot of those boots and play actions. And obviously, you know, one of those was the missed touchdown, but like the throw to Kadero Hodge rolling to the left, 40 something, 42 yards. I think it was some yep. other rollouts to that spot. And they were really successful. And I think part of the Higgins what I won too. the Higgins one too. I, I, I think, I think you're seeing Stefanski trust more. And some of this is a weather thing. Some of this is, you know, last week, you know, the wet, the wind was so obnoxious that it made it more difficult. But I do think you're seeing Stefanski trust in Baker that he can open up things for the running game as opposed to just waiting for the running game to eventually uh, make it work. So I think that's important. But again, it, like overall, the Browns do not win this game without Baker Mayfield. And I've seen people, they you know, in my mentions or whatever, telling me how, you know, they would have been fine with, with Case Keenum. No, they, they would not have been fine. And, you know, really there. there are plays he needs to make. He needs to play better. But the stuff he's doing really well is fun to watch. And you're seeing this kid get better and better. Now, it, it's got to happen more consistently. It's got to happen uh, faster. And maybe we'll start to see that, uh, you know, when we get out of the weather. But I know this, he can throw in the weather. He, he made a, a couple of just – great passes in this game and was able to stretch them deep in a way the Eagles never could. Uh, so, you know, it, it, but they don't play in a dome. I mean, like they just don't. And I think people are expecting like they're going to be start, start being a track team and they just aren't yet. And they may never be, but they certainly aren't there right now. I mean, you're, you watch team like the Steelers and that, this really felt like a Steelers offensive day in a lot of ways uh, in terms of it started out slow and they sort of figured it out as they got going and, and found some some production. I, I, you know, I'd like to see more for Mayfield. Uh, I'd like to see more from a lot of people on the offensive st- side of the ball. And that's uh, offensive line-wise, White Teller may have had his worst day as a, as a pro, or this year, I should say. He, he's been an all-pro up to this point. He wasn't an all-pro in this game. Fletcher Cox got the better of him quite a bit. But, man, when they needed to get in the end zone on that Kareem Hunt run, he got out there and freaking looked like an all-pro on that play. Uh, so, you know, there's just a lot of things where I can I can point to and be like, I was really happy with this. I was really happy with what I saw out of Jedrick Wills as a run blocker, which was, you know, two weeks ago against the Raiders. Uh, he just wasn't there. Uh, so, I, I, again, this is why I look at this as a positive. I'm seeing all kinds of growth from from players that need to grow. And I'm seeing guys make contributions that we don't count on making, and they need more of that if they're going to keep having success. And ultimately, as much as the game was in doubt, I never really felt like it was in doubt after the Taki Taki interception. Nope. Um, I, defensively, they it felt like they were bringing an effort, and they knew it was going to have to be 11 playing as one because you didn't have the one to match the differences in Miles Garrett. Um <sighs> And again, by far, my favorite you know, win of the year, um, look, without Odell on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that they just kept going at it offensively, the defense, and this is two weeks in a row now where these guys are kind of like feeling their chops, so to speak, and, and thinking that, and yes, the Eagles, yes, the Texans, I understand they're not the best of teams, but you've got to get yourself feeling good, feeling confident in what you do, and that happened today. We're going to continue through here, your Victory Monday. 
Locked on Browns from Sports Illustrated. Pete Smith and your host, of course, Jeff Lloyd. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. There are now 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon, almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. Some of your favorites from the original lineup, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint cookies, and cream. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are also great with the keto diet. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code, all caps, no space, locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Pete, we both kind of become in this agreement, and you know, you have probably brought me more into the analytic approach to running a franchise, which would mean maybe not paying a running back. Right now, the Browns are essentially on the hook for, what, $30 million to two wide receivers. One of them is currently going to miss the rest of the 2020 NFL season with an ACL injury. The other one, we talked about a a pitch in a triple wing option look today. Um, And then there's the, does Baker look better when he's using whatever's at his disposal, whether it's, you know, uh, the Fells of the world, the Brashad Perrimans of the world, Rashard Higgins, Kadero Hodge. If you want to improve this defense, and then there's decisions to make as far as, far as this offensive line and maybe dropping a little more money into it, and then there is what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt do for you, it may go against the analytic approach, Pete, but man, it's really, really hard to say maybe dump one or two of these salaries at wide receiver, keep Nick around, pay a little bit more uh, for some guys to help out on this defensive side of the ball. And this may be what is best suited for the future of this franchise. Well, here. Well, this is essentially be a preview of something I, I'll have to do. But uh, there, let's just put it this way. There are a number of doors this team could go through. Um, first, I don't think paying a running back is necessarily an awful decision um, because, it, because it entirely depends on what you're doing and what you're expecting. Um, first, I don't expect the Browns are ever going to just say here's a you know like a five-year deal for however many million dollars um i don't i would be very surprised um door number one you decide that your wide receivers who you're paying 30 million dollars a year for combined aren't working and you say look we've we're spending 1.6 million dollars a year on two receivers who we're going to want back um as long as nothing happens weird between now and the end of the season and we'd like to just take money out of this position. We've already got a lot invested in tight end. 
build from the inside out and go that route and say, we'd rather use that money on a combination of running back and defense. Option two, you say, no, we still like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, but we think we can get this defense better without investing a ton of money. In essence, we think with enough draft picks and rookie contracts and trades for rookie contracts and stuff like that, that we can get a good enough defense to win the Super Bowl. Option three, some combination of that where you decide we like this receiver, presumably Odell Beckham in that scenario, uh, because his contract is more difficult to move. Uh, But uh, we still want Nick Chubb, and we still want to have not a ton of money invested in the running back position, so we're going to trade Kareem Hunt, um, and we're still going to get rid of Jarvis Landry and we're going to invest some of that on defense. Uh, Option four is we're not paying any of them. We're getting rid of the receivers and Chubb, uh, and and we're we're just going to, you know, go for a more cost-effective approach and and, and sort of string this thing out longer and see if we don't catch lightning in a bottle because we aren't aren't currently in love with Baker Mayfield. We we think he can be great, but he's not there yet, and because he's not where we – we need him to be to really make that push that we're going to hang hang on to this for a minute. Now, having said all that, none of this really matters until 2022. 2021 is the last year of Baker's deal. It'll be the last year or the first year of Kareem Hunt's new deal. Uh, and it'll be one more year into Jarvis Landry's deal. Uh, and that will get you through the year where I think Odell Beckham is straight up immovable. Uh, the, I mean, I think in a lot of ways you'd like to sort of tear the Band-Aid off earlier when it comes to receivers, but it might be a little more complicated, at least to get rid of both. But uh, there are a lot of options. And, and it, I, I said at the time when Kareem Hunt's contract was signed, it's a very movable deal. Yes, they could certainly say to themselves, Man, we're, we love him, we're going to keep him for another year, and we're going to make this thing happen. It, 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 it also is eerily similar to Duke Johnson's contract and could easily be traded to somebody if they decide, well, we want to keep Chubb. He's just simply better than Hunt. And we feel like we can get somebody else in the draft that can sort of fulfill that uh, role. The bottom line is there are a ton of different doors that Browns can choose from. And the thing is that the Browns like the most is having that many doors. They love options. They love not being forced into anything. And right now Mm -hmm. they aren't. They aren't forced into Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option, no matter how bad people want him to be. They don't have to pick it up. They could. They could not pick it up and still keep him and then sign him to an extension. Uh, They could do any number of things. But the bottom line is they have lots of choices, and that's exactly where they want to be. It allows them to at least potentially operate from a position of strength. What I would tell you right now is Jarvis Landry for the past month has stunk. Stunk. And he's making like less than ten, he's making more than ten times more than Higgins. And uh, let's put this: he's making about eight times more money, nine times more money than what Higgins and Hodge are making combined. And even if you resign them, I don't think they're going to break the bank. And you have to make the decision at some point: what are we really paying for? And no, don't tell me it's leadership. You are not paying for that. You are paying for a guy to get in the end zone and make touchdowns and create plays. You're paying for a guy who's going to be like Devontae Adams, who's on TV right now, crushing it. At no point ever has Jarvis Landry been that guy here. Not yet. 
not once, and he's never going to be. Last year, he was his best. That was a good player. He was still never $14 million worth of receiver. He's never been that guy, which is what I said at the time. He would never be that guy. What you're getting right now is 2018 Jarvis Landry, who by his own admission, stunk. Rashard Higgins has been the better player. The problem with Rashard Higgins is there's far more risk because he's got such a short track record. I think the, that sort of will write its own ending uh, by the end of the season. If Higgins is healthy throughout the year and continues to be productive, then I think it's going to make it a, a, a much tougher decision unless Landry starts playing a lot better. But right now, the past two weeks, he's com- caught a combined five passes Last week, it was for 29 yards. He got 15 of that back on a spiking the damn ball. And then he got two catches for, I think, 23 yards. And then that option <laughs> thing, which I kind of thought was cool. But that that's not what you're paying for. Don't tell me you're paying for that stuff. Because the same people who think no. you're paying for leadership don't credit Olivier Vernon for leadership when he was a guy who was working with Jedrick Wills much of the offseason to try to help him get ready immediately, going over different things in terms of what guys are going to do to him, how he's going to have to respond, all that type of stuff. At no point have I ever, ever, ever heard anybody talk about Olivier Vernon as a leader, even though the Browns do hold him in high esteem within the locker room, as they do many guys. They aren't paying him for that either. So maybe they have to make a decision on that if Olivier Vernon continues to play like this and hopefully it won't be for 13 million dollars but if he plays like this all of a sudden we have to at least think about maybe he has to come back and be that fourth rusher as you try to go get another guy but uh he's well let's put it this way his game today was better than Jadavian Clowney's season so there's just a lot to consider and you know the best case scenario for everything is that all those guys play well Jarvis Landry comes out and plays great and you know they've got you know, six games less than the regular season. He comes out and has 600 yards and six touchdowns. That'd be great. But right now he's not, and he's not playing anywhere close to that contract, which has been my whole argument the whole time. It is not a back-breaking situation for the Browns. They can carry it if they want to. I just don't know why they would, especially if we're getting into a conversation of who's really your number two receiver. Is it Higgins or is it Landry? And if it's still Landry and you're going to get Odell Beckham back, are you going to really pay $14.8 million for a number three receiver who's not playing that much because the Browns predominantly run a multiple tight end set? That's where I have a real question. No, I and this is where we kind of agree on this. And you look at where this offense has succeeded this season. And it's, you know, it's shot plays. It's, you know, third and seven, third and six. And you seem to see that they are gravitating towards featuring the tight ends in these roles or Kareem Hunt. It's a number one. It's great to be flooded with options, which is what you want, as Pete mentioned. Um, and you know, there's going to have to be somehow, some way, whether it is draft allocution or money towards the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Grant Delpit could help the situation. There's no doubt about this. But it's – you're 7-3, and three, and there is – you know, talks about, you know, what the 2021 season will be and, you know, how you can improve this. Look, this is – it's like gold. I mean, the Browns are in a great position right now. You know, obviously, second place in the AFC North, 7-3. and three. You've got Jacksonville could possibly be your eighth victory. You've got the Jets and Giants, victory nine, victory 10, which 
at this point you think is going to happen, even if they can put out just, you know, a modest effort. Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, you're probably going to need one of those three. But this franchise, seven and three, second place in the AFC North. And with all that's going on, new regime up top, uh, new head coach, and, and Joe Woods just finding a way for this defense, even with what they are missing and lacking, getting it done, playing better, tackling better, playing smarter, uh, the turnovers, my God. Um, just a great day. Um, and we had talked about this, even without Miles Garrett, this was still a winnable game. But you needed to come together, and folks needed to step up. And they did. He is Pete Smith. Check out everything through Browns Digest on SI.com. Make sure you're following at Browns Digest at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Uh, if you want perfection, we're not there yet. But, man, the trending to what the next few years could be as far as what's on the roster and as far as building it. The team is 7-3, and three, and the future looks really, really bright. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Victory Monday on Locked On Browns, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe. Ratings, reviews. Help your boy out and get those in there. And again, let's go Browns.